Hello and welcome to this week's St. James in the City podcast. We have Jenny sharing for us on 1 Peter 1 verses 1 to 12 and this is the beginning of our Living Hope series and so we've done our vision and giving Living Hope and now we're into the meat of 1 Peter and so really looking forward to it and so let's hand over to Jenny for this week's sermon. Hi everyone, how are you? Bit of a rhetorical question there because unfortunately I can't see you or hear you but I do genuinely hope you are okay. I'm Jenny, I'm on the staff team here at St James in the City for those of you who don't know me and I've got the great privilege today of beginning our new sermon series uh, on One Peter which we've called Living Hope and what a timely message to be thinking of Jesus as our living hope. Would you join me for a moment in prayer? Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather as your children around your word today. We pray, Lord, that you would open this passage to us, that you would speak to each one of us through the words that you've given me, Lord, and through the words of 1 Peter in the Bible. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our living hope. And I pray for each one of us today that we would know this truth for ourselves. And we do ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So as I am the first one uh, to give a sermon on our new series, I should probably give a little bit of an overview of the book before I begin. So because of it equally named the sermon series, Suffering. <laughs> Doesn't really have the same ring as Living Hope, I know. Um, but there is a theme of suffering in 1 Peter. And it's not just suffering for suffering's sake. It's suffering as Christians for our faith in Jesus. The living hope, which is Jesus. It's that the power of Jesus overcoming the grave with the same power that lives in you and in me. That same power that will sustain us through all kinds of suffering. The theology in 1 Peter is one that offers guidance and assurance in the face of the test of suffering. But it also tells us that belief in itself isn't enough. We as Christians must live holy and honourable lives. Holy means to be set apart to be set apart for something in particular. And we, as Christians, we are set apart to follow Christ and to obey his words. Scholars kind of agree that the Apostle Peter was the author, or at least a part of the authorship of the book of 1 Peter. And it was originally aimed at hearers who probably had some knowledge of the Jewish story and of the life of Christ, but who may have been known as Gentiles, meaning they were recent converts or those being converted. So I was challenged so much um, by this passage, particularly these two phrases, inexpressible and glorious joy and refined by fire. And I was a bit like, these concepts seem like they are in opposition to one another. This story helped me think a little bit more about, about this. I'm gonna read it to you now. 
So it's a story that I read recently about a river town where sand was continually being dredged up from the riverbed and left in high places on the riverbank. This place was where a lot of young kids used to go and play. And a lot of the time, the sand piles, though they were dry on the top, they were waterlogged beneath the surface. So it had the effect of having like a sinking sand if you stood on it. So a few years ago, a couple of boys were late home for dinner. So the parents went looking for them and they found their bikes outside the fence at this riverbank. They called for the boys, but no answer came. The family and then other rescuers searched frantically around the sand piles and eventually they found one of the boys buried to his neck in sand. He was barely alive and they found him and they dug furiously to rescue him and get him out. He was freed uh, finally and he was able to breathe properly and so his panic-stricken parents and the rescuers asked, where's your brother? Where's your brother? I'm standing on his shoulders. He said, one loving brother gave up his life so the other could live. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and for me. We were spiritually lost and destined for a lost eternity without God and without hope. But because of his great love for us, Jesus Christ, son of the living God, came to earth and gave his life and died in our place to pay the penalty for all our sins, the stuff we get wrong, so that we could be freely forgiven and receive God's gift of eternal life. So as I was reflecting on this passage in 1 Peter, thinking of Jesus as our older brother, how he gave up his life for his brother, and the younger brother literally standing on his shoulders to cling on to life. He was saved, but no doubt will be forever viewing the world from the shoulders of his older brother. Would the younger brother be experiencing this inexpressible and glorious joy when he was rescued despite his brother being gone? I don't think so. I think he would be grieving, maybe even feeling a sense of guilt. If we accept that Peter had something to do with the writing of this book, I think maybe this might be similar to how Peter would have felt after Jesus died on the cross. Like he let Jesus down. Peter made all these promises to Jesus, didn't he? That he would never leave him. He'd never deny him. But then he did. And then Jesus died. Although at that time, Peter didn't quite grasp the whole story that Jesus was going to come back to life to save us. He was the first disciple to recognise that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who God sent to bring salvation. Peter probably felt guilty that Jesus died and he lived. He probably grieved and suffered for his faith in Jesus. But then, miraculously, Jesus rose from the dead. Peter got to see Jesus again and Jesus called him to feed his sheep to love his lambs, to tend his lambs, who are his followers. Jesus gave Peter purpose and life in its fullest. First, by dying on the cross in Peter's place and in ours to give us new life, but also in giving Peter a command, a purpose, and most importantly, the hope that comes with that.
Many of you will know at St James we are part of a homeless outreach project called the Jericho Project and one of the things you encounter when you're out on the streets when listening and engaging with homeless people is this overwhelming sense of hopelessness. Not every person has that who we speak to, you can tell the ones who do. It's debilitating, it stops you from even trying to change even the most uncomfortable and unbearable circumstances. I would say that being hopeless is a worse state than being homeless or hungry or lonely or vulnerable. It's debilitating because it stops you even thinking that change in any of those other circumstances is even a possibility. A lot of us don't find ourselves in such dire circumstances there but for the grace of God. But we may have experienced a sense of hopelessness at times. And I think now more than ever for a lot of people that may be true. I know for me, I've managed relatively well throughout the pandemic for almost 12 months now. But for the last few weeks, with the numbers of the virus rocketing, with so many people losing their lives, knowing that people I care about are fighting for their lives in hospital, homeschooling, a lack of general routine and getting out, getting out and doing things with our friends and our family. I've been feeling really fed up. I've been feeling unmotivated in my privileged existence, in my comfortable home. I've kind of been on this roller coaster of highs and lows of feeling anxiety and depression. And in those times, it's this kind of sense of hopelessness that is the driving force in me feeling like this. That may be true for other people. I know other people have shared similarly that they are going through um, a similar roller coaster journey at the moment. So there's been a few occasions when we've been out on the Jericho project that I've encountered this utter hopelessness in people and something's just stirred in my spirit and I've just burst into telling them that there is hope, there is hope in Jesus, that he has a purpose and a plan for their lives, that they are loved so much that God himself died for them, that God is the parent who will never let them down. And for some, this sparks a glimmer of hope. You can see it in their eyes, something changes. Hope returns when they hear this, it's unmistakable. You can see it in a person's demeanour and in their eyes. On one of these occasions, just before Christmas, we had such an encounter. So we'd, we were almost finished on our round. Um, it was quite cold and rainy. And we bumped into a guy who I've spoken to quite a few times. And he was really struggling. He was feeling really down. He was hopeless at this time. He really was. And so we chatted for a while, gave him a drink. Um, and then I asked, would he like us to pray for him? And he said, yeah. So as we were praying, um, I just got an overwhelming sense that this guy needed to hear those words. And so I spoke them to him. And I also felt God gave me a word, particularly for this person, that God wanted to use him to tell other people about Jesus to tell other people about this good news and so I told him this and I, I kind of explained it and said do you know when you meet those people who have been in addiction and they've been homeless and they've broke free of that with God and, and they love Jesus and they go around telling everyone else 
I think you're going to be a person like that. And honestly, you could just see the hope in, in his face return. A smile came, his whole demeanour kind of just grew in that moment and he, he had hope again. He was so excited, he was trying to hug us and we were like, no, social distance. Um, but then he was literally walking away from town shouting, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Such an amazing thing to, to see hope, see the truth of the gospel be received in someone's heart and for hope to return to them in such a way. So I've got some amazing friends and just the other day in a prayer meeting, I shared how I'd been feeling and they were obviously stirred in a similar way to how I sometimes respond to this sense of hopelessness. And they passionately, or maybe a bit aggressively, Fat Dionysica, reminded me <laughs> of this hope. It went something like this. You were bored with a price. Jesus loves you so much. He is faithful. Any voice you hear, that causes anxiety or fear is not from him. And his is the only voice that you need to be listening to. That voice that speaks life, that you are good enough, that you will get through this, that God has a plan for you, a purpose for your life, for good, for his glory. You carry his light. It's not about you. It's not about your power. It's about the power that is working in you and through you. That same power which shields you. You are wonderfully and fearfully made. And the enemy has no place in your life or in your mind. You are a child of God. As a Christian, you live in this hope. I don't know about you, but I needed to hear that at that time. And I think there's times in all of our lives when we need to be reminded of those words. It's something that I know, I believe it. But in that moment, I just needed to be reminded. And I hope it was helpful for you today to be reminded too. Our challenges, our struggles, our sufferings, are this refining fire that leads to joy and leads to hope. Our struggles, our sufferings are not usually the same. We have different battles. Although at the moment, there may be some similar things that we are all struggling with. But I know this is truth because this isn't the first time I've suffered since I became a Christian. I know that as my faith has carried me through some really tough times, it really has led to joy. It has led to a deeper hope and a deeper understanding of the power of faith in God for now and for in the future. And in faith, I believe this is true for you too. My dad lost his battle with alcoholism a few years ago. I was so close to my dad. He was always so loving and he doted on me and my brother and his grandchildren. It was such a sad time for me. I remember though listening to this song at the time by um, Casting Crowns. I'm not sure if this is the title, but you'll probably know which one it is. Um, I'll praise you in this storm. And listening to this song literally on repeat 
anytime I was in the car that was the only song I listened to and um, I'd listen to it on my phone whatever chance I had and it gave me so much strength praising Jesus in the storm that I was in at that time. My dad was brought up as a Catholic and he had a kind of quiet faith but I wasn't sure if he had a relationship with Jesus like I did as his living hope and I really wanted him to have that. I gave him a small holding cross that I had while he was in hospital and although he'd lost the ability to speak he really just clung on to that cross so tightly and if he dropped it he'd be searching for it and he'd pick it up again and he'd hold it so tightly. A holding cross is an aid to prayer sometimes we just hold it and if we haven't got the words to speak or we can't speak hold it in itself is a prayer to Jesus. I went to the chapel one day as well and it brought back some prayer cards um, from there and one of them in particular I read out to him. I'm going to read it to you now for those of you who don't know the story of the footprints in the sand. One night a man has a dream. He dreamed he was walking along the beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life. For each scene he noticed two sets of footprints in the sand one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene of his life flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints in the sand. He noticed that many times along the path of his life, there was only one set of footprints. He also noticed that it happened at the very lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him and he questioned the Lord about it. Lord, he said, you said that once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, when I needed you the most, would you leave me? The Lord replied, My son, my precious child, I love you and I would never leave you. During your times of trial and suffering, when you see only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. And so my dad loved hearing this story and he kept passing this card to me again and again for me to read out to him. He was so ill that he was on a DNR order, do not resuscitate, um, which meant that the medical staff couldn't intervene um, when he stopped breathing. All of a sudden that moment came and it was just such a shock in, in that moment. A nurse came over but she couldn't do anything and in that moment all my hope was in Jesus for my dad and so I shouted dad go to Jesus go to Jesus and then what the nurse called a miracle happened. He started breathing again all by himself all his vitals and everything that was being recorded just all shot up to higher than they were before. And he stopped breathing um, for quite a while at that moment. He did die, sadly, not long after this. Um, but I just felt this overwhelming assurance and hope that he was with Jesus. This is the hope that we have. Not that we won't suffer, not that bad things won't happen. But that in those moments, in those storms, 
Jesus is with us. He carries us. Another line from that song says, every tear I've cried, you hold in your hands. You've never left my side. At every stage in our journey, in our suffering, we can trust him to be at our side. I love these words that I read in a commentary recently. In faith, there is suffering now and glory later. In the life of faith, the present contains a lack and a terror that God's future will overcome. I'll read that again. In faith, there is suffering now and glory later. In the life of faith, the present contains a lack and a terror that God's future will overcome. This does bring me to an inexpressible joy. When I come out of my own head and instead fill it with this truth, I do have this joy that I feel hard to express. It's hard to tell people and explain this an inexpressible joy that we have as Christians when we grasp grasp this, when we live this, when we remember this. It is overwhelming, my awe of God, my knowledge of his salvation, of his love for me, of the future that he has for all of us, of the love that he has for everyone. It's amazing, it's inexpressible, it's joyous. I just wanna read verses eight and nine to you again. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are not receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of the souls. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So while we are here, we can stand on Jesus' shoulders. We can be salt and light to the world. We can take our comfort from him. We can honour and uphold others because we don't do it in our own strength, but in his, in Jesus Christ, who is our living hope. Jesus, we thank you that you are our living hope. We invite you now by your spirit to come. Come Holy Spirit. Yeah, wherever you are now, maybe just open your heart, open your hands, close your eyes. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, you are Lord. You are the giver of life. You are the giver of joy and hope. May your truth, may your love sink into each one of us today. Reminds us of the call and the purpose on our lives that you have for each one of us. Anoint us afresh today, Lord, as your followers, to go out into the world, 
to share your good news, to bring hope, to bring love and joy, to honour others before ourselves, to serve you in the newness of life that you gave us. Maybe there's a few people listening who feel like they don't have that relationship with you yet. And so I invite you to make this prayer your own. Lord Jesus, I accept that you died on the cross for me to take my place. I accept you, I come to you now as my Lord and Saviour. Help me to follow you. Help me to know you. Help me to grow in you for all the days of the rest of my life. Use me for your glory. We ask it in your powerful name. Amen. So good. Thank you for checking out this week's St. James in the City sermon and this podcast episode. You can make sure you subscribe so that you can get this podcast into your feed on a weekly occurrence and for the next time that we uh, publish an episode. You can find us on social media. On Twitter, we are St. James Church. On Instagram, we're at St. James in the City. On Facebook, you just search us St. James in the City. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us by email, you can uh, find us at info at stjamesinthecity.org.uk. We would love to connect with you. We would love to chat with you. Thank you for checking us out and we will see you real soon. God bless.